Uh, hello everyone and welcome. My name is Andrew. And I'm Rachel. And we are Picture the Scene Podcast, a true crime podcast aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. We bring you a new episode on a weekly basis, mainly focusing on lesser known crimes from the UK and Ireland. However, at times we expand into cases from anywhere in the world and or ones that are well known as well. As we are I know we've been talking about it for a little while, but it's nice to hear you say weekly. As we are a true crime podcast, listener caution is always advised. And this episode contains details about the death of a child. So if that triggers you, please do turn off now. And there's plenty of our back catalogue that you can go and enjoy. There is. And for our regular, regular listeners, and Rachel just alluded to this a moment ago, which is why I didn't really acknowledge what you said, Rachel. You, <laughs> you might be wondering why I said weekly um, when we don't release weekly. Well, to put it simply, as Rachel said, we do now. So starting from last week, we will now aim to release every Tuesday. It's like, that's it. Commitment made. No going back now. We've been talking about it for months, haven't we? We have, yes. We have, yes. And Very we exciting. It's exciting. So, if you like what you hear, please do follow us on our social media channels. All links can be found in our show notes. And if you really like us, then please do leave us a review or rating if you use a platform that allows such a thing. We are also on Patreon. Again, links for this can be found in our show notes. And for the price of a, and for the price of less than a cup of tea or coffee, you can get a minimum of one bonus episode a month plus other content. And just for those that some people struggle to access our show notes so uh, to get to patreon it's patreon.com and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash forward slash scene pod that's s-c-e-n-e-p-o-d and you will find us um so so rachel how have you been what's new in your life yeah all, all good here um i have a bit of a cough so uh i'm hoping that i can catch it um so that I go on mute every time sorry but uh yeah other than my slight cough all is good how about you Andrew yeah I'm great thank you Spark. and we got a compliment from one of our listeners uh Robin who's also one of our patron supporters I think I sent it to you did I send it to you love it Robin please tell me what the compliment was just in case you didn't she said you look exactly as as she imagined you did I- tell me and I don't, but she said that's a good thing. So I'm not quite sure what she imagined me to be like, but I'm glad I don't. I look a little bit better. Um, good, great. That is positive. Yes, and even though we're an audio based, you think how can she tell what we look like? Because she's a Patreon subscriber, and we oh. occasionally put other content on our Patreon. So, Rachel, it feels like an eternity. And in fact, I haven't asked you this this year yet, have I? Are you ready for some true crime? I am so ready for some true crime, Andrew. Let's do this then. If it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. I'd like to take us back to the 17th of February, 2014, to the town of Greys in the county of Essex in the southeastern part of England. Now, Greys is a historical town, but it's probably more widely known to the true crime community as a place where 39 people were found dead in October of 2019. Mm. In the back of a lorry, if you remember. Mm, Yeah. But as I'm taking you back to 2014, 
so almost five and a half years prior to that tragedy, when it was just known as a typical quiet English town with a population of around 70,000 people. And if you're a Russell Brand fan, you know it is his birthplace. Oh, what? On Monday the 17th of February 2014, it was the evening, and Brock Bednar got out of a taxi at the base of a small block of flats that were in Roseberry Road in Grays. And even though the weather forecast had predicted rain for the evening of the 17th, it was dry, with temperatures of around 7 or 8 degrees Celsius, which is around 46 to 48 degrees Fahrenheit. And even the fairly strong wind that evening would have probably not affected him as he had his jacket on. So let's fast forward a couple of hours into the morning of the 18th, Rachel. And this is part of a phone call that was made to the emergency services. Essex Place Emergency. Hi there. Um, okay. Uh, hello. Um, I need police and a forensics team to my address, please. What do you mean? What's happened? My friend and I got into an altercation and I'm the only one who came out alive. Are you telling me you've killed somebody? Yes, I am. I am in shock. I've never heard that before and I've in fact not heard of this case, but how... How on earth these nine 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 call um, handlers deal with instances like that? Her blood must have gone cold when he said, "I need a police and forensics team." Like that is not normal, and he sounds like a child as well. Yeah, so we'll get to that. But yeah, no, I agree. So, so what happened on the ninth that night on the seventeenth, Rachel? Was Breck the killer or the victim? So you, I was going to ask you if you know this case, but you say you don't know this case. No. So, so I think before I answer these questions, it's better I give you the full context and take you back and introduce Breck and talk about events that led up to that evening in 2014 and anyone else that was involved in that night. So Breck was born on the 17th of March, 1999, in Surrey, and he attended St. B's School so it was exactly one month before his 15th birthday on this day in 2014. His parents were both American, with both of them moving to England some three years before Breck was born. So all he had known was living in England. He attended the air training course as a hobby outside of school, and he was an active member of the St. John the Evangelist Church in the town they all lived in, which was Caterham. Breck loved playing online games and he had a passion for computing in general which is quite common in teenage boys around the world both then and now and roughly a year before the date in question Breck had found a server he loved playing some of his favourite games on which were first person shooter games like Call of Duty. I'm sure you've heard of that one Rach. I have and the kids call it COD I believe. Do they? I like a bit of cod, but only with salt right. and vinegar. Can I just establish though, when you say the kit the that Breck found a server and he enjoyed playing games on, what does that mean? Well, to play first now, there's probably people more educated than me on these things, but to play online games properly, 
mm. you have to have like fast service so there's no lag so what you uh, press okay. what so you press live the, action yeah so what you press on the controls happen straight away and okay. so when they find a good server actually uh, i'm going to be quiet because my next um paragraph i just realized explains what a good server is so oh I'll, wow I'll, okay it's I'll almost as if i knew ladies and gents yes so a good server is important for people who play these games you need ideally to have a fast stable server so there's no lag in the game it wouldn't be long before a group of people who use the server and play the same games use a program called TeamSpeak, which is a program that lets people talk by audio with each other in a group. So I guess a little bit like Zoom, but no images. Okay, yeah. And, and I and see it, these kids with these massive headsets. Yeah. I wonder what they're for, but obviously it's because they get that social aspect from the gaming as well. Yeah, that's why like a good server, like, because they... Um, they play with people who are good as well at the games. So once you find okay. like something that's fast and people who play the game well, you want to stay there. And even though they're sorry, guys, about this, but I just would like to understand. Even though they're first-person shooters, can people go around in a pack together? I assume so. I oh, these okay. these first-person shooters, I I have played them and I'm terrible, so um, I don't really. But yeah, I assume so. Okay. And because they used TeamSpeak, it allowed them to chat while they played the games. So it helped them play better and as a team. Mm. So I guess that answers the question. Um, So Breck Breck actually became an admin with a few of us on his TeamSpeak for the server, which gave him powers of banning or restricting people. And it gave him a sense of authority in that type of circle. Oh, dear. Fourteen-year-olds per- do not need a sense of authority, do they? No, not really. Another person who was an admin and whose server it was, or who claimed to own the server anyway, was a man called Louis Danes. Now, at the time when they first started talking and playing together, Louis was seventeen years old, but he had already turned eighteen in October of two thousand and thirteen. Towards okay. the yeah, towards the end of 2013, Breck's parents started to notice a change in their son's behaviour. He would often refuse to go to church with them. He would argue with them more. And he seemed to be more withdrawn and insular, caring more about playing online than anything else. I get it. I do understand that it is kind of all-encompassing, isn't it? Online gaming. And there's this kind of secondary world that exists. So... I imagine that's where his friendships existed, not in the real world at church, you know. Exactly. Lewis told Breck and the other boys who played the game that he was a successful computer programmer who lived in New York, had his own business, he worked with the US government, and he was wealthy. God. We know where this is going, don't we? We do, we do. People create these online profiles and they big up their jobs or their looks or it's called catfishing, isn't it? Um, In a lot of ways where it's on like social media might be called something completely different in the gaming world. But yeah, they they essentially sell the dream life to the teenagers that aspire to be successful gaming developers or YouTubers or whatever it is. Exactly, and as you said, that Breck did look up to Lewis, as did the others, due to his success in the field that he wanted to go into. 
after Breck had finished his education, which was computer programming. Now, Breck's mother, however, in December of 2013, she overheard a conversation Breck had with Lewis, noting that he was talking to someone who sounded like a man. And she was concerned, he didn't actually say what the conversation was about, but she was concerned his changing behaviour was linked to this and that he was being groomed by this man who was Lewis. Do you know what? That hadn't even come into it. But yeah, was this man a successful developer in New York also lying about his age? Like obviously not saying he was 18 or 17. He was probably telling them he was like in his 20s or something, which were like, what's his intention there as well? Yeah, we'll we'll find out. But after speaking to Breck, her mum, his mum spoke to Breck first, and she got nowhere. She decided to speak to Lewis directly to warn him of her son. She had no joy, and so she felt she had no choice other than to go to the police. Oh wow! And report that her son was being groomed by a man online. And in two thousand fourteen, I I can't imagine there was a lot of policy around that sort of stuff not as much now so the police couldn't or wouldn't we don't know for certain which help her much to her horror she still wanted to do something though so she installed programs such as parental controls on Breck's equipment to try and stop or at least limit Breck's contact with this person because she didn't know who this person was now Breck as you can imagine wouldn't stop playing games and talking to Lewis, with some even reporting that it simply turned him more against his parents. Lewis would tell him that his parents were restricting him. So Lewis bought him a mobile phone so they could text oh, wow. him, so they could text and speak without restriction and their friendship continued. Which again to Lewis is a massive like Oh, how cool is this guy? Sorry to Breck. Um, this is a how how cool is this Lewis guy? But to his mom or to anyone else, like major red flag. Why are you buying my fourteen year old son a mobile phone? Yeah. Like well, it, was, it was it was in secret. No one knew about it. But yeah, yeah, I know. But when it yeah. all came out, that you know, if anybody could have said to Breck, "Hey, this is a red flag. This is not normal behavior." Yeah, exactly. So the next few months progressed. And Lewis was eager to meet Breck, finally telling him what to say to his parents as an alibi. He then paid for a taxi to take Breck to his home, and they arranged to hang out one night. A sleepover, I imagine you could probably describe oh it God. as best as. So this takes us to the night of the 17th of February 2014, because it was this night that Breck went to Lewis's house, and it was... That taxi that Lewis paid for, that Breck got out of. So when Breck stepped out of the taxi, on that reasonably pleasant evening for that time of the year, and he likely looked up at a block of flats that Lewis lived in, ready to go in. So now let me introduce you to Lewis Danes, shall I, Rachel? And if you remember, he said he lived in New York. He was wealthy. I was gonna, with, yeah. I was gonna say. So he's managed to get a taxi to his apartment for the sleepover. Is he not starting to ask questions like, what about New York? Or Maybe maybe he did, we don't know. But um, yeah, he also told him he was wealthy with his own business. He worked for the US government. And more importantly, he told Breck that he had to give up his business 
because he was terminally ill. Which is why he told Breck to go to his apartment so he could, they could hang out before he died and he could give him his business so he'd have a business to start his life with. Oh, my God. And then Breck obviously wasn't going to tell his mum any of this. Yeah. Because his mum had forbid him. So, oh, gosh, this is just a parent's worst nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. So Lewis was, at the time, 18 years old. And he lived by himself on that flat in Roseby driving greys. But he hadn't ever lived in New York. He had never had his own business. He had never worked for the US government. In fact, he was unemployed at the time. And he spent most of his time speaking to and befriending young teenage boys online. He didn't really have any close friends or anything like that or offline. All his friends were young teenage boys online. Oh, gosh. This isn't going to end well, is it? No, the phone call we heard earlier was made by Lewis. And the person who had been killed, sadly, was Breck. So that leads me to the question, what happened that evening? Well, hopefully, yeah. I'm I'm actually not going to say anything. Sorry, go on. So Lewis would claim that Breck was depressed and suicidal and that the only person he felt he could talk to was Lewis. So that's why he had gone to his apartment that evening. He claimed that he was depressed and suicidal due to Breck's father being an alcoholic and physically and mentally abusing both Breck and the rest of his family. Oh, wow. He said that they spent the evening chatting, but in the morning they got into a fight, probably because Breck knew Lewis was moving abroad, and that had upset him even more, as he was the only person he was close to. He said that during the fight, he had stabbed Lewis in the neck and then slashed his throat. Lewis would initially plead not guilty, once arrested, to the charges of murder, right up to the very end of the pre-trial in which he changed his plea to guilty. Police would discover that in the weeks leading up to Breck going to Lewis's flat, Lewis had bought duct tape and condoms online. Oh no. I know, yes. The other that's, boy, yeah. That's for, awful. Yeah, for our listeners out there, Rachel's uh, shaking her head at the moment. It is awful, yeah. Uh, the other boys that Lewis had befriended online said that in the weeks and few months leading up to Breck's death, they had noticed a change in the dynamic of friendship between the two, with Lewis becoming more and more domineering, and they actually tried to warn Breck over it, but he just felt it was more people trying to stop their friendship. On the evening of the murder, Lewis ordered a pizza around 6.40pm, so we can safely assume Breck was still alive then. The following morning before Lewis called the police, he used Snapchat to send pictures of Breck's bloody dead body to a few people. And no. To a few of the friends that they played games online with, yes. And it's been reported, and I think this is true, but I couldn't find it for definite, it's been reported that Breck's 12-year-old sibling, now it's also been reported that the sibling was both a male and a female, so I'm not quite sure if it's a brother or sister, but it's been reported that they ended up seeing the photos because once he'd sent it to a couple of people, they got passed around. What is wrong with people and what is wrong with society when you when you see a body on Snapchat that your immediate 
reaction is to pass that around and not call the police and stop that chain of like events from happening because god forbid those images get into someone's hands well like breck's younger siblings and or anyone of a young age that can be scarred for life by what that man's done that's just awful andrew this case is horrible it's horrible but we're we'll, we'll have to get through it rachel yeah upon arriving at lewis's flat and ultimately arresting him the police found his phones and his hard drive from his computer in his bathroom sink submerged in water presumably be to try and destroy any evidence and they also found Breck's bloody clothes in a bag in the bin. Now, the prosecution would say that they found evidence of sexual activity between the two, and they believed it was rape, because they also found Breck's ankles and wrists had been bound with the duct tape that Lewis had ordered online. They stated they believed Lewis bound him, then raped him, and then killed him to keep him quiet. When being questioned by the police, Lewis refused to hand over passwords to his devices and hard drive, which had been encrypted, presumably to prevent any evidence being found of their conversations. Lewis was ultimately sentenced to life in January of 2015, with a minimum term of 25 years in in prison, with the judge stating that while he had only just turned 18 at the time, his young age couldn't be taken into account as a mitigating factor because the evidence strongly suggested that this was a cold, premeditated murder and one that had a lot of planning involved. Do you know what I was going to say? There aren't a lot of cases where I think that's a kid that's on trial though, like essentially. But before you said that that's the course of action or the, the, the way that the judge went... I was thinking, do not let him get off on a technicality of a couple of years because he's going to juvenile prison and and not facing the consequences of a grown adult. Then you won't like what I'm about to say. Oh, no. It was come out after Lewis was in prison that back in 2011, when he was 14, he would be accused of raping a fellow 14-year-old boy or possessing child abuse images, those images being of that boy, but ultimately no charges were brought against him for that alleged rape and images because from what I could gather, the boy withdrew his statement, probably because... Of course he, he did, because he didn't be... want to go through it, yes. Yeah, exactly. And then people know what's happened to you and you either get labelled or victimised or, you know, like the consequences of that, the police have probably had to sit him down and say, this is what will happen if you pursue this and... It's probably scared the crap out of him. Now, this is why I wanted to mention this case, though, because it's interesting what happened next. It isn't over this story. In November of 2015, so Lewis was already in prison by now, Mm. a blog would appear online, claiming to be from Lewis, with two posts appearing on the blog. The first one would admit he was responsible for the death of Breck, but that it was a tragic accident. It blamed the right-wing media for distributing lies about what happened. He said that it said that he never raped a boy in 2011, and he went on to further claim that someone in Breck's family was abusive towards Breck, implying it was his father, and just that he was sorry that Breck died. Now I'm not. I'm sorry. Are you allowed to? 
publish blogs in prison, no. first of all. No. And uh, how has he been allowed to get that out into the public domain and try and influence the, the story? I don't know how it happened. It's actually still out there. Um, I It's had almost 30,000 views, I believe. So That poor family that yeah. are, you know, they've lost their boy and now they're having to protest their innocence. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to give... I'm not going to quote anything from it because I don't want to give it the time that I don't think is needed on it because I think it, it, I read it and if you really want to read it, you can Google it. But I think it's all complete crap, if you ask me. Of course it is. It's just he has had nothing but time on his hands to see how, you know, to ha- concoct a plan of how he can worm his way out of this. But he's not over yet, Rachel. In 2016, in January... Another post appeared on a blog saying that an upcoming drama based on what happened that was on the BBC was a crusade against online gaming in general and against him. It then went on a general attack against Brock's Brecht's parents. And I'm not even going to say the things which he said because I don't want to and I don't want to repeat it because again, it's all complete crap. But, um, but that happened. So you would think, how is this happening? Like, why is this being allowed to happen? But, unfortunately, it didn't skip, stop there. There were no other blog posts, but there were other things that happened. So let's skip forward to 2019. Actually, sorry, um, I didn't correct my um, my script earlier. Um, I actually, by this point, realised that Breck had a little sister, not a little brother. That's who saw the pictures. Um so, in 2019, Breck's sister, who was obviously older by now, would receive abuse on Snapchat, allegedly from Lewis's family, oh saying, that, saying that they were watching her and threatening her as well. And they also, she also received a friend request from Breck on the platform. Oh, my God. So, somebody had set up a profile. Yes. That's seems... just torture. So, can I, sorry, can I just hit pause for a second there? Yeah. Uh, Lewis's family are, I guess, in some way, convincing themselves that he is innocent of of murder, potentially guilty of manslaughter, but innocent of murder. Yes. So they've somehow skirted over all of that grooming that surely must have been evidential from Breck's computer side of things, if Lewis's computer side of things had been yes. submerged in water. That's how they found but, it, yeah. Yeah, um, so they've buried their head in the sand on that point, but also the prosecution is suggesting that they found evidence of rape with Breck being found. Yeah, evidence of sexual activity. But oh, sorry, his, evidence his, of but, sexual activity. But his, his wrists and ankles were definitely bound with duct tape. Yeah, so, so. that does scream with with a murder at the end of this that does yeah. scream that that was against his will not some form of you know something that he was willing to participate in yeah. in my opinion but his family yet again still protests his innocence what yeah. on earth like why would you why would you then go on to torment a poor young girl like that's just beyond me i don't know so but when Breck's family and the police actually contacted Snapchat asking for details of who had sent the messages 
yeah. and friend request. Snapchat said that they couldn't provide any details due to US law and that the only person that, uh, sorry, and that only the person being impersonated, so this is Breck, could request for the fake account to be removed. And Breck, oh my was, God. Breck was dead, so he couldn't request for the fake account to be removed. It actually took the US Department of Justice to order Snapchat to release a data for the police to finally get it. Now, it never came out who the the people were, but yeah. after that moment, everything stopped from Lewis. There were no more blog posts, no Snapchat or anything like that. So I think we can probably guess that it was someone connected to him or who had access to him. That's just so awful. And you know what? That process to request that, going to such a high court in America, that wouldn't have been a quick process either. No. So that family will have had to just wait and see that profile gain followers and momentum. And Kids would because they'd be like, oh, look what's this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's just awful, like, that their son's name hasn't just been remembered you know, for being him, but then for being this kind of fake account and for it, like, friending people that were close to him. It's just, it's a really awful, horrible case. And the fact that it's a child's just made worse, but it's I just a, I just can't understand human behaviour and the brain and especially around that family not wanting to just go quietly and, and retreat away from the public eye, but instead publicly, like defend their son and and support his like actions i take it he hasn't challenged his sentencing or anything no 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 appeals nothing like that now breck's family though and particularly his mother bless her she's been working tirelessly since his death they created the breck foundation with its focus on education around child safety online to prevent online grooming, with its vision to have a world in which children and young people can live, play, and learn online safely. So, I mean, fair play to her. She, nothing replaces the death of her son, but the fact that she's put a focus, rather than turning inward and it destroying her, she's putting a focus in this charity to try and help others. It's probably the, there's no best outcome of this situation, but it probably is the best outcome that could happen. It's kind of that small silver lining ripple effect that the bad, awful life circumstances then make sure that another family might not have to go through what she's gone through. But just again, to reflect as a mother myself, like she spotted all the signs. It, yes. This isn't one of your classic cases of, I had no idea he lived a double life. She and his friends saw the route he was going down, and he was unfortunately so determined to have this well, friendship. He was, with... he was being groomed, wasn't he? Absolutely. But how often do you hear parents or friends or family members saying, you know, I had no idea, like they yeah. kept this kind of second life to themselves. And I think what must really kind of light her fire and keep her going is that, she knew and still was completely out of control. Um, so that just must be what kind of yes. keeps her keeps her really going because, you know, quite often parents will think, oh, well, if I'd have known, I could have done something about it. And she did know and she tried. 
Exactly. Now, Breck's family, and actually everyone that knew Breck said the same thing, but in different words, so you know it must be true. They would describe him to be a warm and a kind-hearted and a loving boy who was bright and had a good future ahead of him. Now, heartbreakingly, I don't mean to end the episode on something sad, but heartbreakingly, his mother would say that she just wished Breck had listened to her, that he had had exposure to the things that the Breck Foundation educates on, because she thinks that if he would have heard one of the talks that they give to the schools and whatnot, that he would still be alive today. That's so good that there are so many pupils that are hearing that at school, though, like how positive that there are so many people today that can benefit from that. Like, I do think that's amazing. So, yeah, so what do you think about this case in general? It's just, I think it's just sad that they couldn't do anything about the original rape. Now, I know that, obviously, if someone withdraws a statement and there's no other physical evidence, there's not much they can do. But, I mean, he still had what is technically, well, not technical about it, he had images of a 14-year-old boy. So, even if the boy would have refused to give a statement, they had evidence of basically child abuse images. So they could have done something about that, but they didn't. And then obviously that would have meant he would have been on some sort of more carefully guarded and watched. So it couldn't have happened what happened with Breck. That's the that's the sad thing about this case, I believe. Obviously the sad thing is Breck died, but the sad thing is that there were not chances to stop this happening. Yeah. And... Do you know how many parents will live under a roof with a kid that has a games console or a computer, you know, and obsessed with the latest Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or, you know, Minecraft even? All of these kind of major games that have these, like, abilities for online connections and multiplayers and, you know, meeting all these mostly very innocent children all around the world that connect them, but the evil people that lurk behind their computers to prey on and groom other children, you know, it's just like more needs to be done about it and it needs to be taken more seriously. Um, You know, and if Breck's mum's kind of complaints in 2014 had have been taken seriously, this man might have been investigated. Breck might have stood a chance. If he'd have known back then that, you know, oh, Breck had previous criminal uh, record or had form for having indecent images, that would have completely likely altered Breck's uh, well, opinion. Lewis would have been arrested if if his mum would have gone to Breck's mum would have gone to the police and said, "I'm worried about this person, this man grooming my child," and he had a history of that in his record because he would have had a record if they yeah. convicted him on on the images. Then he yeah. would have been arrested because it would have been seen as um, what's the word I'm looking for where it's like aggravating factors or something. I can't quite remember the word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And and that's what I mean. Like, but even even if he hadn't have been arrested, Breck's opinion might have then, 
you know, that that yeah. little tiny seed of self-doubt of maybe he's not the guy that I think he is. He's not this successful businessman in New York. And, you know, that that small seed yes. of doubt grows into a series of events that means that Breck never leaves his house, lies to his mom and goes for the sleepover. Like Exactly. So this has been uh, season two, episode 11, titled the episode title game over thank you all for listening and i'm just going to wrap up now so if it's safe for you all to do so i'd like you to relax close your eyes and picture the scene that person who you talk to or your kids talk to online who seems harmless and they just play games with after all it's just a voice on the end of the line who are they what do they want and what are their intentions? Do you know? So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you for sticking through to the end if you managed to. And if you didn't, I don't blame those who turned off. Um, and let us know what you think in the comments on any of our social media platforms or contact us directly via direct message. We're always happy to chat. And we'll, um, we'll see you all again next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.